You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program, The Good News and the Bad News. Well, there's no good news or bad news, so it's just ordinary news. Uh, just to remind people that the Anarchist World This Week will be broadcasting continuously over the holiday period. Um, I don't know why, but why not? <laughs> uh, if you want to know what Anarchy is all about, Anarchos without rulers, how do you create a society without rulers? You look at what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people, inequalities in power and wealth. So it's the struggle to share power through direct democratic mechanisms and the struggle to hold wealth in common and use it for the common good. Let's move on. There's a bit of a been a bit of a sideshow the last year or so, and uh, fortunately the sideshow is going to be pushed aside over the next uh, few months as we see people slip back into uh, some real activity. I mean, um, it's all very well marching up and down, demanding the right to spread infection. There are a lot of issues out there which uh, have we seem to have forgotten about real issues which have profound impacts on people's lives. And I think it's about time we uh, went back and uh, look at these these issues. And what I'd like to do is I'd like today to just look at these fundamental issues which affect the type of society we are. And it's quite interesting regarding these fundamental issues because they're no different to the issues which confronted the people of Australia in the 1880s, almost 150 years ago. And uh, I'm sure you all remember the marvellous Melbourne slogan. Well, it was marvellous for some, but not for others. And if you look at 2021, as it comes to an end, it's been marvellous for a lot of people well, a significant minority, but it hasn't been very good for a lot of people for a variety of reasons. And it's not about COVID-19 and the restrictions which have been placed in order to try to contain uh, this health emergency and see the uh, hospitals not overrun. It's not about mortality rates, but what it's about is the fundamental structures which we have in this country, structures which are created in such a way as to ensure divisions in our society continue to increase. 
And I'm not talking about divisions based on race or gender or sexual orientation or even divisions based on whether you're vaccinated or not. But I'm talking about cradle-to-grave divisions which have become part of the DNA of Australian society. That's right. They are now incorporated in all our major institutional structures, all our major institutional structures. So what are these divisions I'm talking about? I'm going to go through them step by step by step. I call it cradle-to-grave privatisation. Now, you may have been a little bit excited to hear that the Victorian State Government and the Commonwealth Government and the pharmaceutical giant Moderna have come to an agreement to produce mRNA, mRNA vaccinations and treatments in good old Melbourne town. Now, this is just extraordinary. This is just an extraordinary situation. And I'm, I'm not talking about the pros and cons of mRNA. What I'm talking about is the Commercial Inconfidence Agreement. Here we have two government instrumentalities, a state government and a federal government, going into so-called partnership for private corporation to provide essential services, vaccines and treatments for possibly cancer and osteoarthritis down the road to Australians. Now, if there's one thing that Melbourne is good at, it's at medical research. And there are many public research institutions in Victoria and Queensland and West Australia and New South Wales that have made astounding medical discoveries and health innovations. Astounding. So what we have here is a very strong publicly funded medical research fraternity. Very strong. Publicly funded. Now when Mr Keating privatised the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory in, I think it was 1996, I could be out a year or two, forgive me if I'm wrong, but when it was privatised, this country lost its ability to have institutions in place which would could turn theoretical discoveries and health innovations into a practical reality. And we became totally dependent on the private sector to revise those services at a cost to the community, at an extreme cost to the community. And it was quite interesting that when the government was floundering regarding what to do regarding vaccination, put all its uh, money on AstraZeneca, that they came to a agreement 
with the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, a privatised Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, one of the largest uh, health corporations in the world today. It gave them a billion dollars for the right to access vaccines. And obviously they put their money on the wrong horse as far as AstraZeneca was concerned. Didn't actually, you know, do an each-way bet. So this was a private investment. Now this mRNA facility in Victoria is not a private-public partnership. It is like the agreement with CSL is an agreement where the state government and the federal government pump money into a large pharmaceutical corporation that will hopefully give the Australian public and surrounding Pacific Island states access to essential vaccines and possibly treatments down the, down the, down the road to certain cancers and osteoarthritis. That's all it is. So we see the private sector using publicly derived information which has been carried out by publicly funded research facilities across the nation and then receiving state and federal backing and money in order to augment, improve their bottom line. Now, all the debate, and I've listened to many, much of the debate over the last 48 hours regarding this arrangement has been about the possible benefits in terms of having a facility which can respond to changing health circumstances in the country. That's a good thing. But why, why in heaven's sake, and my apologies to heaven if it exists, why was this not a publicly funded, publicly owned corporation? We have the research facilities, we have the talented and skilled research staff. So instead of publicly creating an institution which is publicly funded, which can provide essential public available vaccines, both the state so-called state Labor government in Victoria and the conservative Morrison-led Liberal National Party have once again given taxpayers' money to the private sector to provide essential services. And this goes in line with their ideological program which we've seen over the last 40 years in this country. An ideological program which has been based on privatisation. Giving away 
essential public services and infrastructure to the private sector for bar- bargain basement prices, losing one, the ability to generate profits for the Treasury, and more importantly, losing the ability to provide essential services for the population they specific they say call represent. And the fascinating thing about the reaction to the mRNA facility, which will be built by Moderna, courtesy of the Australian taxpayer, the Victorian taxpayer, is the fact there is no debate whatsoever. Nil. Not even a mention about why didn't the Victorian and federal government just put the money into a public institution? And that's the dilemma we face in 2021. The concept of the public putting the interests of the many before the interests of the few is no longer a concept that people are able to understand. And we've seen the same disease, and it is a disease, infiltrate all aspects of life in this country over the last 40 to 50 years. And what I'd like to do today is just go through it step by step. And that's the reason a number of years ago we set up public interest before corporate interests not just as a ginger group, but a potential political party to raise the concept of the public good and the public sector back into the popular conversation, into the popular imagination. Because everything now is about the private sector. It's all about capitalism, private investment for private profit. Now, there's no way Moderna is going to set up a facility in Australia if it's going to lose money. And obviously it's done its sums, and with all the taxpayers' money that's going to be pushed into this commercial venture, we, we are going to find that facility will be established, but it will run by Moderna. And more importantly, there will be not one member of the state or federal government, not one public service on the board of Moderna to protect the public investment that has been made into this privately owned pharmaceutical company. The thing is about history, it repeats itself. As I said, it's cradle to grave privatisation. Let's start off with education. Over the last few days, research has been come out and obviously research appears every day which once again, and the key is once again, highlighted that privatised education has normalised inequality in Australia. You like that? Normalised inequality in Australia. It starts at the very beginning. It starts with early childhood development. It starts with so-called publicly owned primary schools and secondary colleges. We now have a system of education which normalises the fact that the social elevator which allowed people to 
move out of a situation because of their education no longer works. We have a system which normalises inequality. We have a private education system, whether it's the preschool level, the primary school level, the secondary college level, or the university or post or the tertiary level, which ensures that taxpayers' money is used to bolster the profits of the private education sector. So if you've got the money, you can buy your little kiddies the best education money can buy. And if you ain't got the money, you find yourself being a recipient of a Smith family support. Could you imagine that in Australia in 2021? that we have privately owned education facilities which are sponsored and supported by taxpayers' money, which allow these private institutions not only to make a profit but to provide extraordinary, extraordinary services to the people they educate, not only normalising inequality but normalising inequalities in people's cerebral sulci and their bloody brains. At the same time, we have a private charity, the Smith family, having to advertise in order to get people to sponsor Australian children. And we're talking about over 1.2 million Australian children who live in such dire circumstances they can't even go on a school camp. They can't access the right uniform. They can't, all they can access is a basic education at the best of times. And we have a private charity. I mean, I, you know, I, I like the Smith family. I've got nothing against the Smith family. At least they're trying to highlight the inequalities that occur in our education system in 2021. It's not as if we have to educate 1.3 billion people like they do in China. We're talking about a few million kids. But so much money is diverted from taxpayers' fund to the private education sector that the public sector is starved of funds and not able to provide the much-needed services in the education sector. And as you know, that in a society which is based on the satisfaction of human desire, not human need, that if you can't get a good job, you will fi- a good paying job, you will find that this will follow you all through your life to the day you die. Think about it. And we allow this to occur because you've got all these sideshows. You've got the anti-vax sideshow. You've got the parliamentary sideshow. You've got the media side show. You've got the sporting side show. You've got the religious side show. And nobody, hardly anybody, ever talks about the structural, inherent inequalities in this society. Think about it. Then we go to the other end of life. Old age. As I said... Cradle to grave. Let's go to old age. 
the biggest con, and it's nothing more than a con, in this country's history is superannuation. Ooh, I can all see you working people clutching your chest thinking, ooh, this is a sacred cow we cannot touch. It's the biggest con festival. Call it the Confest. Sorry for the analogy. Superannuation. What is superannuation? Superannuation is very simple. It's the state forcing you to pay for your own old age. Because they don't want the burden of providing you with services when you're old. They want you to fund your own retirement. Well, that all sounds very good. Well, the fact is that most of the money, the two, two or three trillion that's kind of jingling in superannuation companies' pockets, is invested in the very system which exploits people's labour. And then, in a good year, it's all very well to say, wow, we had a 10% return or a 20% return. But in a bad year, you may find that nest egg that you've been looking at, caressing, dreaming about that holiday pre-COVID disappear overnight because there is a collapse in the stock market or a collapse in the housing market. So here you are, you're making a salary sacrifice. But what's even worse than that is, if you don't earn much in your life, if you're in a poorly paid job, because of the education, the normalisation of education inequalities, if you work part-time, if you take time off to have children or look after children, you will find the type of retirement you are able to access via superannuation is a hand-to-mouth existence. But if you earn millions of dollars every year, there is legislation in place which allows you to put that money in a superannuation fund at a reduced tax rate so that when you retire, if you've done very well, during your life, exploiting other people's labour, you can live the life of Riley. You can have that mistress or that toy boy. You can have that yacht. And if you think I'm exaggerating, look at many of these superannuation legislation. So we have a system, again, which not only normalises inequality, it actually promotes inequality. Because obviously in old age, those who've worked hardest physically, those who have had less money in order to buy, you know, the so-called right types of food, the more expensive, you know, protein-based foods, are those who will have increased health issues at the very time in life where you need access to resources, you are forced to deal with an underfunded old-age system, pension system. Con. 
It is a con. It promotes inequality. It doesn't normalise it. It promotes it. At least with public education, we try, try, you know, to say that, you know, we do our best we can in order to decrease inequality. But as far as superannuation is concerned, it's all designed to assist those who through life are able to earn a good income and in the majority of cases that income comes from investing. Whether it's investing in the exploitation of other people's labour, whether it's investing disposable income in a housing market where you can get negative gearing, where it's investing in a stock market where you can claim a tax advantage through franking credits. And the list goes on and on. So at the both ends of life, we've got the con of superannuation which promotes inequality. And at the beginning of a person's life in this country, we have an education, public education system which is so defunded that it normalises inequality in this country to such an extent we need private charities to ask for money to ensure that kids can actually access a public education sector. So let's get real. Let's forget about the bloody sideshows. Let's get real about what's really important in this country. I'm sick of sideshows. I've had enough of sideshows this year and last year and the year before, but especially this year. It's been the year of the sideshow, you know, the carnival time. People been involved in an activity without any intent, without any views, without any dreams. Although in a capitalist society, dreams are really for losers, aren't they? All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, you may have also seen how privatisation of the public housing sector has fuelled housing inequality. Now, I know there must be some listener out there who still believes we live in an egalitarian community. I'm sure there must be one listener out there. But before we go into that, just to remind you, you're listening to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can telephone me on 0439 395 489. If you wish to speak to me, please leave a message. I don't return calls without messages, okay? Um, What else? If you want to write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville, 3052, a few websites you can go to. Uh, Public housing, everybody's business. Defend and extend public housing. Uh, Public interest before corporate interest, PIPCI, P-I-B-C-I.net. YouTube, Public Interests Before Corporate, anarchistmedia.org, and the list goes on and on. I mean, you can have as many bloody, you know, these virtual sites as you like, but the reality is unless you've got feet on the street, you're not going to make much difference. It doesn't matter how logical, incisive your arguments are, it makes no difference. Unless people start getting real and start thinking, oh, maybe this is the issue. Maybe that's why I feel so distressed and angry. He's got all these bills to pay and I'm not earning enough 
and I'm worried about my old age and I'm worried about the kids and I'm worried about the grandkids. What's going to happen to them? Well, you can worry all you bloody well like unless you start becoming active, tackling fundamental issues that plague us as a community. Nothing's going to change. It's all very well jumping on an issue, you know, here and there. But ultimately, most of the ills that we're faced with as a community are to a significant degree based on the institutional structures and the economic structures which we now have allowed to dominate our society. Because we live in a totally privatised environment. And public assets are there only to deal with emergencies. And as we saw with COVID-19, there were no public assets in place to deal with a pandemic, although scientists had been warning about this for decades, especially since SARS in 2008. So let's move on. Why the privatisation of public housing is an issue? Well, everything is an issue because in this country we have privatised everything. I understand that if you've got a a cool $1.5 billion in your pocket, you can actually buy the Port of Geelong because the private corporations which bought it for a pittance when it was privatised initially by the Commonwealth Government are now reselling for, guess what, a massive profit. If you're looking for a place to sleep, Think, think of this, think of this. As I speak, there'll be people in Australia, a very rich country in comparison to most other places on planet Earth, who'll be sleeping in cars, there'll be people couch surfing, there'll be people wondering how they're going to pay the rent or the mortgage. And there are people, fellow Australians living in Bellevue in Sydney, the most expensive suburb in uh, Australia, median house price, $7.5 million. That's the median house price, not average, median, $7.5 million. While there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if, if not potentially millions of people struggling to put a roof over their head, paying 40, 50, 60% of their income to keep a roof over their head. And to a significant degree, this has occurred because we have allowed the public housing sector to be privatised. Part of this ideological frenzy, and it is a frenzy, a privatisation frenzy, has been about privatising almost every aspect of our existence. If you can make a buck, you privatise it. And what that means is that there is no competition in any field of human endeavour in this country. We're told the beauty of capitalism, private investment for private profit, we're told the beauty of this system of government, not system of government, I should say, this economic system, private investment for private profit, we're told that it encourages competition. 
Capitalism without regulation creates monopolies, duopolies. It ensures that two or three major players dominate economic activity in particular fields, especially in Australia where there are no antitrust laws. That's laws to break up corporations if they're too big. And I'm not just talking about the new kids on the block, the virtual kids, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the TikToks. I'm not just talking about them. I'm talking about every aspect of our existence. Housing. It's all about the private sector. Even the so-called sector, social housing, community housing, affordable housing, is all private. It's all private. So there is no competition in the marketplace. So what happens is small players, bigger players eat small players and they get eaten and eventually you get two or three corporations dominating the marketplace, destroying competition and more importantly destroying anybody trying to break that monopoly. Look at the food sector. Look at the hardware sector. Look at the health sector where over 45% of general practices are now owned by three or four large corporations. Look at the labour hire firms. Look at the firms that the government contracts to you know, push the unemployed back into employment. Look at early childhood development, the private education sector, the aged care sector, all privatised. Any community involvement pushed aside. No money of ceiling funding available to create a third tier in the economy, collectives and cooperatives. No money for community sector. You know, the only money available is for the private sector. And what does this cause when you've got no competition? Prices go up. And it's every field of human endeavour. What happens when prices go up? Because companies are too big to fail and governments are not willing to pass legislation to curb, you know, curb their activities, you get inflation. And what happens when you get inflation? Well, guess who suffers? Those people who find their money in superannuation or in the banks. It's a real issue. Inflation is becoming the bogeyman of the 21st century in the 22nd, uh, 2021, 2022. I mean, when you create money willy-nilly and then give it, give it away to the private banking system to lend at low interest rates to the community you create the very elements that are required to cause inflation. And when you've passed legislation which has made striking illegal outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period in this country, you then have the situation where wages do not keep up with cost. And when wages don't keep up with costs, you have inflation. And when you have inflation, you have increased interest rates. So you see all these people who have 
borrowed money at low interest rates now finding themselves in a position where they may have to repay that at extraordinarily inflated interest rates. Even today, if you've got a credit card, you're paying 20 to 22% on cash advances. That's today. Now. When you can, you know, get a loan for less than 3%. Well, that's a housing loan. Everything else is still 9 or 10%. So... What are we going to do? Well, we can shrug our shoulders and say it's all too hard. Yep, yep, you're right, Joe, but it's all too hard. Or you can say, hmm, this is not good. Australia isn't that egalitarian community I thought it was. We've got normalised inequality in our education system. We've got a superannuation system which promotes inequality. We have a housing sector which, again, promotes inequality, which forces people to pay an increasing amount of their income. And we have a system which is totally dependent on creating ever-increasing profits irrespective of the harm to the community. And every time, every time there is a fundamental existential threat like the climate emergency it's all about how can we make a buck out of it no discussion about maybe we need to consume less no discussion about increasing regulation on the private economy in order to ensure the inequalities don't continue to grow No discussion about where resource money is going. For example, and again, this is a little bit like that MRNA commercial in confidence agreement to build a private factory to produce vaccines at the, you know, at the expense of the taxpayer. No discussion regarding mineral wealth in this country. Who are the richest people in this country? Mining. Billionaires. Now, I'm not going to list them. You know who they are. I can't be bothered mentioning their names. They're such inconsequential little people. Mining billionaires. What makes a, bind, a, a, a mining billionaire? Got my words tongue-tied there. What makes a mining billionaire? Well, you have access to resources which belong to the Crown, which is theoretically us. You've got permission to mine. No state-run mines in this country, or privately run. You give some billionaire permission to mine something, irrespective of the wishes of the local Indigenous population. Forget about them. They don't count as far as the mining sector is concerned. We've just seen that in West Australia with the so-called new legislation to protect sacred sites, but we won't worry about that. That's their problem. Right? Carte blanche. We give them money. Fuel rebates. Billionaire companies. We give them taxpayers' money. Why do you think... Our friend from the United Australia Party, I won't mention his name, I can't you know, think about it. You know, Clive, your mate Clive. Why do you think Clive's going to spend $100 million at the next state election? 
Well, he's going to spend $100 million to hand the next state election to the Liberal National Party because his preference will flow than the Liberal National Party, you know. And then he can say, well, look what I've done for you. Aren't I a nice man? Don't touch my mining exploration licences. Don't touch them. Don't even think about touching them. Forget about the climate emergency. My profits are much more important than the welfare of the community, obviously. So here we have an extraordinary amount of mineral wealth in this country, irrespective of what you think about nuclear power and uranium mining, what you think about coal and the climate emergency, what you think about iron ore, what you think about production for production's sake. The fact is that this country is rich. It is a very rich country. Obviously, there are issues regarding agriculture, but as far as mineral wealth is concerned, what the rest of the world wants, it is rich. Diamonds, gold, coal, uranium, magnesium, tungsten, iron ore, um, bauxite, rare metals, copper. The list goes on and on and on. And what's the fundamental thing that holds all this together? Private investment for private profit. The government of the day at the state and federal level giving mining corporation rights, extensive rights over vast tracts of this country and a licence to print money for their shareholders and their privately owned companies. Is there any discussion about taking it back? Hmm? Or maybe increasing taxation to 80%? I mean, the Norwegians did it. Norway hasn't fallen apart, has it? They've got trillions of dollars in a wealth fund which benefits all people in Norway, not just those who earn lots of money and can put it in their superannuation fund to have that retirement that we all dream about. No. They can do it. But we, oh no. Gas, give it to them. Give it to them. Give them a 30-year licence. We don't get any tax revenue for 30 years. It doesn't matter. We haven't got enough gas on the East Coast because we sold it all and we're the second biggest supplier in the world. doesn't matter. And the list goes on and on. And again, this is a fundamental problem. We start need to get real. We want to overcome many of the problems that face us as individuals, as families, as communities. Then we need to look at the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are very simple. They're based on the type of economy you create in order to provide goods and services to the population. I mean, there's economies based on human need. There's economies based on desire, which are infinite. There's economies which are based on collectives and cooperatives, which ensure everybody shares in the good times and comes together in the bad times. There are economies which are based on corp- corporate profits, which we have today. We have such a a ridiculous situation in this country where large corporations have so much fundamental power, real power, 
fundamental power that they dictate parliamentary agendas. That's why you don't see political parties saying, well, maybe we should nationalise without compensation every mine in this country. Hmm? Or, if you think that's a bit too extreme, maybe we should charge them 80% tax on profits. Maybe we should take away all those corporate welfare that we keep pumping into the private sector. Maybe we should claw back some of that $32 billion which was given to companies whose profits increased during the pandemic. Oh, no. You don't want to upset them. We've always got those little people who get, you know, Centrelink payments. We can, we can upset them through a, a robo-debt scheme. You know, we can upset them. Don't worry about the rest of us. And the tragedy is, and this is the big tragedy, is most of my, you know, like this, I'm going to do a, a whittler, my fellow Australians, Australian men and women, believe in the mirage. They believe in private investment for private profit. They believe that one day their number will come up. They'll win that Tats Lotto Prize. It is deeply ingrained in the Australian psyche that public is bad, private is good. And the reason it's been ingrained is the fact that successive governments at the state and federal level have underfunded public institutions, forcing them into situations where they can't actually meet the demands they're faced with. You ring Centrelink, you wait for hours. Why do you wait for hours? Because the call service has been privatised, because people have been taken out of the call service. You go to a public hospital, you wait for hours. Why do you wait for hours? Same thing. Not enough resources. You're on a waiting list for an operation in the public sector. Why are you on a waiting list? Why do you wait for years? It's not just COVID-19. It's the fact that these institutions are under-resourced because they're public. And why are they under-resourced? Because the wealth continues to be channelled unabated into the hands of a small section of society. And I'm talking about ten, around 10%. One or two... One or two percent, that little section that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and their hanger-oners. And the other ten percent, the Australians with disposable income, whether they're tradespeople, whether they're doctors, whether they're self-employed, who've got disposable income which then they can invest and they can enjoy the largesse of the taxpayer, franking credits, negative gearing, corporate welfare... And the list goes on and on. While everybody else knows to the grindstone, knows to the grindstone. And if you complain, nobody's going to do anything about it. That's what I love. I mean, in my job, and I'm, only, I'm partially working these days because I'm now 70, there's all these institutions out there which theoretically protect the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. The reality is most of these public institutions are grossly underfunded for one reason, to ensure that any real complaints never get anywhere. And I'm not talking about complaints against individuals. There are many star chambers in our community 
where state and federal governments have set up institutions which have extraordinary powers as far as their relationship with individuals are concerned. But when it comes to having any power regarding those who own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication is concerned, no power whatsoever. Oh, Joe, you forgot about the legal system. Yep, I love the legal system. And I'll tell you why I love the legal system. Because the legal system, again, is privatised. You get the best justice money can buy. Spend one day sitting in the magistrate's court, if they've reopened in your part of the world, and see justice. Hmm? See the people who turn up, who find themselves in conflict with the government of the day. Go to the Supreme Court or the High Court. Spend a day there. Look at the money that's poured into protecting the interests of those who've got tonnes of assets at the best of times. And then we have the ridiculous situation. It is a ridiculous situation, you know, about philanthropy. You know, you heard the word philanthropy? You've got all these high flyers not paying tax or paying minimal tax because of their fancy, you know, lawyers and fancy accountants and fancy political favours that they're owed. And then they say, oh, look at me, look at me. I've got all this money and I'm going to give it to the deserving poor. Philanthropy, philanthropy is about giving resources to the deserving poor. Why don't we have a system which is not based on philanthropy or private charity, but a system where everybody has access to this country's resources? And I'll tell you why. Because we're too involved in the sideshow. Lots of sideshows, lots of sideshows to incorporate us. You may be a car buff. You may go to the races. You may be follow the dogs. You may love marching anti-vax protests. You know, you may love hating your neighbour because they're a different colour. But the reality is that ultimately, invariably, most of the injustices which occur in our society, whether it's regarding First Nations people or anybody else in this country, are based on the fact that we live in a country where inequality is normalised. We have a we have a private education system which normalises inequality, a superannuation system which promotes inequality, an old age care system which ensures, which guarantees people get unequal system, unequal treatment depending on their resources, a legal system which is based on the amount of money in your pocket and even if you're fortunate enough occasionally to access legal aid, grossly underfunded and the people working in legal aid, though they work there to the best of their abilities, find themselves they're totally under-resourced and don't have the time to devote to the case. Now, I've, I've seen a number of legal cases and it's fascinating, fascinating how if you've got the right lawyers, the right barristers, the right solicitors and enough money to actually keep the case in court for long enough that at the end of the day, justice is never done. And why is that? Because of these 
current structural inequalities which have occurred in our society, which continue to occur, and most importantly of all, which we allow to occur because we're not interested in looking at the fundamentals of our society, a society based on private investment for private profit, a society based on normalising and promoting inequality, a society where change becomes more and more difficult as more legislation is passed to criminalise protest activity. So, no, you've gone to sleep, so have I. So what do we do? Well, you can be like me and talking to a microphone week in, week out, year in, year out. Or you can be a little bit more productive. You can get involved in activities which challenge these fundamental inconvenient truths. Why shouldn't our resources be used for the benefit of First Nation people and ourselves, not for billionaires? Why should our education system normalise inequality? Why should our superannuation system promote inequality? Why do we continue to believe in privatisation and globalisation and corporatisation and deregulation where all it's delivered over the last 40 years is increasing inequality and, more importantly, increasing social issues in our community. Fundamentally important social issues which increase conflict in our community. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. If you're interested in tackling these issues, especially the fundamental economic issues of putting the public interest before corporate interests, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interests as soon as possible. Go to the website, pipsy.net. If you like what you see, download the application form. Join. You can always write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052 for an application form. Go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to the, my Facebook page, Joseph Toscana, Toscana for the Public. Uh, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests, Public House and Everybody's Business, and the list goes on and on. Tons of virtual sites, activities galore. Don't forget the 20th of January, Tanaminaway Moorborn Hina Commemoration. Keep listening to The Anarchist World this week. Got lots of things coming up for you in 2022, uh, at least you'll be able to participate in activities which cause a little bit of consternation among that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and those members in Parliament at the state, federal and local level who continue to promote their agenda of privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation and deregulation. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the community radio network. This program is podcast. Go to 3cr.org. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.